In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Mike D'Antoni rumors, how his offensive style of play would fit in with Simmons and Embiid, the Chris Paul and Buddy Heald rumors, and more. Before we begin, a big congratulations to Joel Embiid and Anna DePaula on the birth of their son, Arthur Elijah DePaula Embiid. Enjoy the podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Sixers and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com Sixers today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com Sixers. GetRoman.com slash Sixers. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, it, it's been a minute. I guess it, it really is. The Philadelphia sports right now are in a, a dark dark time. You've got the Phillies who basically need to win four in a row to make the postseason. Uh, they've done that, I think, once all season long up to this point. They've won one out of the four, so three more to go. You've got the Flyers who looked so good for so much of the season and then had that brutal start against the Islanders and, and really got themselves behind the eight ball. The Eagles, who just look like a complete train wreck right now, and it's still early days, but not the start you wanted. And then the Sixers, who basically haven't done anything for the last month, despite having a head coaching job opening and a uh, reorg of the front office. Are they at the top of the pecking order now? Just because they have not done anything for a few months, <laughs> they haven't pissed you off as much. They're, I think the Flyers are at the top of the pecking yeah. order. I was actually going to ask, and that, also, like, if you... and also, there are the, the the union people who always jump. The union are a team too. I'm sorry. I, I just I, I I agree. I just I just don't know as much. And I, I looked at the standings the other day. They're doing great. So, union, congrats. Top of the uh, food chain for you guys. But I was going to ask if you had to, if you had one team that you had to talk about, and not counting the sport because there's no other sport I would want to talk about, especially professionally than basketball. But just one Philadelphia team that, if you were forced to talk about for two hours a day, which one would you want to do? And I think it has to be the Flyers, just because that they're easiest to look at and say, well, they're a good team who just had an off series, whereas everyone else, yeah, yeah. But maybe um, I wouldn't want to talk about them. That's boring. They're they're well, doing okay. I'd rather talk about Carson Wentz uh, stinking up the joint and, uh, and see, the Eagles' bad drafting. Football conversation. Football is so prone to overreactions. I think I would probably lose my mind if I had to cover that sport. Oh, come but, on. Uh, you, don't, you don't cover th something that's like a measured subject overall. <laughs> come on. You cover the Com Philadelphia 76ers. Compared who? to football, it's measured. Uh, I'm not sure about that, man. Any, any Twitter rumor that gets brought out there, people are – are quick to That's opine true. on That's true. this is the end of the world or this is the greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. So let's go on to some of those Twitter rumors. So far to this point, um, 
I believe still only Brett Brown has officially lost his job. Uh, everyone else in the coaching staff, front office, still to be determined. The rumors that are most persistent, you know, originally it, it seemed like Ty Lue was the front runner. Lately, it has been reported that Mike D'Antoni, it's essentially his job to lose. As a uh, Keith Pompey reported, I think a little over a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. So those two seem like they're in the front run. Obviously, Billy Donovan is with the Bulls. Jay Wright has pulled his name out. Um, so those two are off the table. Cross them off the list then. It does seem like they're sticking to sort of proven commodities. Haven't heard anything about an assistant being interviewed or in the running for it. Um, outside of maybe a, a, a little bit of rumors of Ime Udoku because of that familiarity. But even there, there hasn't been much push to that. Where do you think this uh, goes from here, Rich? Well, let's start with that. Do you think they are making a mistake in only going with the tried and true people? I, I guess the, the one thing it I was... stunning to me that this organization is not having the most creative job search. Just stunning to me. Well, it's funny, too, because I think a lot of people would frame it as they're only going after retreads. And that's not fair because, fine, Mike D'Antoni is technically a, a retread. He's also, I think, a very established and influential coach over the past two decades of NBA basketball. But it is interesting that when you look at some of the elite coaches in the NBA, you know, you look at Brad Stevens, came from college. Eric Spolstra was, I guess he's basically a lifer. Like an equipment manager, yeah. Yeah, he worked his way up in that organization over a uh, a long period of time. I, I guess the Sixers don't have that version or uh, I don't know. Maybe like Connor Johnson gets head coaching job, but that that wouldn't be uh, something that's probably on deck. Some of the younger assistant and player development coaches they yeah. have. Nick Nurse coached like every team in Europe. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's probably the closest comparison to Udoka, because Nick Nurse was on Dwayne Casey's bench. He was his yep. offensive coordinator, I believe, and those Dwayne Casey teams. You know, I think. When you look back at Toronto the years before Nurse got the job, there was a little bit of a, a modernizing the offense, but with DeRozan there, you know, that, that only went so far. And with DeRozan there, they only went so far in the playoffs. But they obviously made the move to get Kawhi, which obviously was the, the biggest part of them winning a title. But I would imagine that Nick Nurse... You know, when he was hired, did you think he was like, people were like, wow, what a great hire this is? No. No, no you, I, you didn't know enough about him. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was the, the general sentiment. I don't think it was like, oh, he man, can't I, I can't believe we didn't do this. It's just, who the hell is this guy? I mean, I don't know. He's He was the Dwayne Casey's assistant coach. And from that, you have a guy who in two years from now, or from, from when that happened, is considered, you know, the best coach in the NBA, one of the two or three best coaches. It's it's interesting to me, and that goes to show too. Like he won a title right away. It, yep. it does not have to be this Brad Stevens in Boston theoretical long runway, Brett Brown in Philly long runway until you actually have to uh, compete. So yeah, I do think it's interesting. I mean, it, it seems fairly limited. You know, that's not to say they haven't interviewed some of these people, but it does seem like, and, and from what I know about Elton Brand. That he wants experience in the in the locker room and knowing how to deal with personalities. That's going to be a, a big part of who gets this job. 
just from from what I know about him. But it it is interesting that it, it seems like they've stuck to the Billy Donovans, the the Ty Lues, and the Mike D'Antonis of the world. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I was not, I, I did not analyze too many London Towers games to know how how great of a coach Nick Nurse was going to be. But yeah, I mean, look, I think you know, like you said, Nick Nurse came into a team who had just acquired Kawhi Leonard, or they would acquire Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I forget exactly the timing on all of that. So there was, and, and Kawhi was going to be a, a a free agent in the upcoming season. Obviously, he ended up ended up leaving to the Clippers, but tremendous amount of pressure, and you still went with a you know relative unknown as an NBA head coach person there. Uh, the flip side of that is Brad Stevens, who came into a rebuild, sort of like Brett Brown, where he he did have runway and he proved himself. Um, so it is, you know, I I will concede it's a little bit tougher when you have two stars like Embiid and Simmons, and the expectations that come come with that and the power that those stars have on your franchise's future like it is a little tougher to go with the unproven but this is not an organization that has necessarily shown that they're going to do that deep dive job search to come up with the unknown candidate which is how you end up with your advisor's son which is how you end up basically not uh, hiring an outside voice last time you had a gm opening Um, and it's also an organization that seems to sort of like react and it's like whenever they're met with you know, criticism, it seems like they play it a little bit safe. And it does seem like right now they're playing that job search safe. I, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's the wrong decision. Like I said, the no. presence of star players complicates that a little bit because you do have, you know, managing those expectations of, of not only your fans and your organization, but those stars who could leave, who could force their way out, who could make this difficult. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it is something where they're not, not showing the most, uh, hey, look, Ty Lu won a title. Um, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk to him, Mike D'Antoni revolutionary. Let's talk to him. It's not, it's not the most creative job search for sure. All right, let's pause for a brief break to hear from DraftKings. Week two of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all you MMA fans the same great offer to use for this weekend's UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TOSS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during Week 3, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code TOSS during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack Casino. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. And the West Finals right now are 2-1. to one, But I will say that in these playoffs, I've been pretty impressed by Frank Vogel, who is someone who I don't think anybody was too excited about. Okay, yeah, his indie teams were pretty good, although, you know, they were led in part by Roy Hibbert, who's coaching the Sixers now. It's a completely different game, and he wasn't that good in Orlando. And, you know, look, he's got LeBron and and AD, and that's the reason that team is good. But I I thought he made some excellent adjustments in that Houston series 
and, and I guess it just goes to show, like, with him, who's had two jobs, and with Nick Nurse, who had coached all around the world, the point of this is that good coaches come from anywhere yep. and, and, and different backgrounds. Now, maybe this Sixers team requires a, a certain background. I'm not even sure that's true, but uh, or I'm not sure that that, that one skill set only comes from NBA experience. It, it could. But uh, yeah, I, I would guess I would say it just it's interesting how narrow the search seems to be, at least publicly now. Well, and look, maybe we don't know everyone who's interviewed, yep. who, who's interviewed or who, who they've talked to or, or researched. But look, if you're an agent to an assistant coach and he's getting an interview, you're making sure that in, that information's getting out. You want to pump up that guy's resume, get them closer to a, um, you know, get, just bring them into more prominence as a, a candidate, even if they don't get the Sixers job for future jobs. So if, if they were really talking to assistant coaches across the league, I I think you'd hear about it a little more than you have. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't know that Udoka is interviewed for what, like seven jobs or something right. like that. You know, th- those interviews do tend to get out. All right, so Mike D'Antoni, who seems to be the front runner, I guess you know there is. Why you've written about this? What is your take? Uh, and theAthletic.com/slash/sixers. If you're not a subscriber, please go sign up. You've written about $1. this recently. Yeah, one dollar promotion. Uh, over a million subscribers, which is is crazy when you think of when we started. And I think we were the sixth city. Um, wild times. Anyway, what is your overall impression of Mike D'Antoni and whether or not he is a worthy candidate and would fit with this roster? I think it's the most interesting one. Like I'm rooting for it as a uh, as a big J. I, I would like to see Mike D'Antoni try and figure this this roster out there are a lot of things i I would say first point that's going to be made if they hire him is that oh man they don't have the personnel to play his system a couple things i would push back on there one he is more flexible than having one system what he did in houston was far different than what he did in phoenix way back when um you know he's very reliant in phoenix on steve nash pushing the pace and pick and rolls. And if you look, Synergy does go back pretty far. I don't have my article in front of me, but they were pretty much the league leaders in pick and roll. And they also were pretty much, I think they might've led the league in pace for four straight years. And they might've led the league in offense for four straight years. If not, they, they were very close on both of those numbers. And that's a long time ago. You know, it's pretty funny to look back at some of those numbers from Phoenix, like seven seconds or less, this was revolutionary in terms of like three point shooting and, and all of those things. They would be the most conservative team in the NBA. Yeah, now. it's it's. I remember Mike D'Antoni talking about this. I think it was at a Sloan because one of the things I like about D'Antoni is his sort of principles are analytically sound, even though if they weren't, even though they weren't necessarily based in analytics, it's just sort of like the conclusion he came to, and it happened to align with sort of the analytics push that would come years after. And he said, look, if I knew the numbers behind it, we would have been five seconds or less. He's like, I didn't know. We just kind of did it. And it it turned out to be true. Uh, But yeah, they would be conservative for today's NBA. And there was an article on ESPN. I think Tim McMahon read it, if I'm I'm crediting this correctly. And it was during one of the past couple seasons when he had Harden and Paul on the team. And, And the thing in Houston that has been so revolutionary and it's it's certainly not complex is that they isolate more than anybody in the league and they do that because Harden with that step back three is just you know that's an offense unto itself 
and D'Antoni is quoted and saying he's quoted in that saying, "Well, we didn't do it in Phoenix because it we didn't have the players to do it. Like right. the analytics people tell us that the numbers, like the points per possession on this, and it's like, well, of course, why, why would we not do this? They're both really good isolation players, and we don't turn the ball over, and it's uh it's great. So that's why we we came to this conclusion. It's pretty funny actually. It wasn't Mike D'Antoni, I believe it was." Dan D'Antoni, who was his assistant in Phoenix and a few other places, his brother, but he's the head coach at Marshall, I think. It's one of those. It's a smaller D1 school, and it was a few years ago where he uh, he got in an argument with the reporter after the game, like the reporter wanted to know why he wasn't posting up more, and Dan D'Antoni, you know, obviously it's probably like somebody might be a more old school person who just doesn't realize it, and D'Antoni went off on him like... The post up is the worst thing to run in the in in basketball now. Like it it doesn't work. You can get fouled or you can, you can get fouled and they won't call it easily. It's it just doesn't work. And the the uh the reporter kind of cut him off in the middle. Is like, all right, I, I'm sorry or whatever. And Dan D'Antoni's like, I'm not done with my analytics rant yet. <laughs> so that's kind of the you know Mike D'Antoni's very much I think from that uh that school of thought. So. That would be the first thing I would say. Like he's more flexible than having one system. To be fair, though, what both of those systems entailed right. were elite perimeter players and like a lot of three point shooting on the floor. And you know what? In Houston, to be fair, like they were more of a team that shot a lot of threes than than had like knockdown shooters. They were they were the team that eh, let's just get up fifty and the the math will, will win out. But, you know, he just coached a team that was playing Cove at center. Right. So, you know, to, like to some extent, like that is very different. Meanwhile, this team has like four starters who are taller than Cove. Yeah. And, and so that would be one thing. But the other idea, too, that, okay, if we hire Dan Tony, we're going to have to make some trades. They're probably going to have to make some trades anyway. Yeah. This... You know, it's I, like, it's I saw like, one. I saw one from Keith Smith the other day, and don't want to bag on Keith, but th- this was funny. And he, his tweet said, "Starting to hear a lot of buzz that the Philadelphia 76ers are letting teams know they are open to trade talks if if they hire Mike D'Antoni to be head coach." Philadelphia realized that the current roster with all the bigs isn't built to be a successful D'Antoni team. Let me translate that: it's not built to be a successful NBA team, and they don't need to let all the other teams know that they're looking to trade because they. Teams knew anyway. Everybody watched the season. It was funny that you needed a Mike D'Antoni hire to, for other teams to realize, hey, the Sixers might want to move Al Horford. Like, they were making moves anyway. It's not built to fit any coach's system. Right. This this lack of guards and a bunch of big guys and not a lot of three-point shooting. And nobody who gets to the line really outside of Embiid and Simmons a little bit when his mind is made up. So that would be the other thing I would say. That said, the idea of D'Antoni, you know, just talking to a few people, like th- there is some intrigue over how D'Antoni would would make this work. You know, it's like it's so different from what he did. And if you're looking at it from D'Antoni's standpoint, and I don't, you know, there are rumors that he's been very linked to the Indiana job. I believe that's been that's been a longstanding thing. And I don't know what he wants in terms of, you know, this is probably going to be his final job. He's 69 years old. So 
you know, I don't know exactly when it wants, but if you're looking for the legacy play, among these jobs, it's going to be hard to win a title, I think, with any of them. But if, if you could make the Sixers contenders and make the Embiid-Simmons pairing just like a great offense and vault them to contender status, that would probably be the coolest thing for his legacy. Um, I, I think like when he retires, like that would be another feather in his cap. And frankly, you know, when you look at these other jobs, New Orleans and Indiana, as much as we bag on the Sixers, they probably still have the most championship equity. Of that yeah. group, New Orleans is is pretty far away. I'm not even sure he's been linked to that that opening either. But uh, it it sure would be interesting. It's definitely so. So on the one hand, I I think this focus on his system and you know the Sixers don't have the pieces to fit is a little overblown. But on the other hand, Embiid especially is somebody he's never really made work that archetype of player. Yeah, you you think back to the end of career. Shaq. And I mean, look, that was very end of career. Like that was not the Shaq that we knew and loved, um, but it wasn't exactly a, a perfect marriage there. You know, I think, first of all, I think some people dislike D'Antoni because he's never won a championship. And I think that's a little bit unfair. Like even during his Phoenix days, I never looked at, at any of D'Antoni's rosters and thought that's the best team in the NBA. They've always been good, but there's never been like, wow, not winning a championship. That's a huge Huge underachievement for that squad. So I think that's a little bit unfair. It's, it's a reminder that it is very freaking hard to win a, an NBA title. He's had some tough breaks, too. Yeah. And like they've had, they've had, it's not like he's never gotten to a conference finals here. Like they've had some, some runs of success. I think it's, I think to be honest, he might not get enough credit offensively. Like you said, I, I think some people look at him as a system coach. And I don't think he is. Like he might be like a literal offensive genius in a league that, has really been geared towards the offense and on a team that right now struggles mightily generating good looks and really thriving in, in the modern offense. It would be interesting to see what he would do. And like you said, he's not married to a system per se, but the concern is that his goals, you know, the system is sort of how you achieve the goals. His goals have never really fit an Embiid style offense. And that's really where the concern comes into play. You know, can he modify an offense to fit Embiid's strengths, but also get the end result that he wants out of an offensive attack. And I don't know. And that would that concern me a little bit? Look, I don't think they're going to, if the Sixers want to keep Joel Embiid, they're not going to trade him to fit a coach's system. But is there any chance that that kind of a hire could signal that maybe they don't believe, whether it's because of style of play, personality, um, age, wear and tear, like, do they think is, is, could you read into it and wonder? And look, again, I'm going to pull a windy here. I'm not reporting a goddamn thing. But could you wonder maybe they aren't as committed to Joel Embiid as you hope they are? It would be in the back of my mind. Just because you know how much Embiid and D'Antoni's, like I said, not necessarily system, but, but goals on an offense are like oil and water. That would be my only concern. Of these candidates, I do think he has certainly, like I said, he might be a literal offensive genius. And that would always intrigue me it's just it, it very much does seem my, my question though is that what coach could you get where you could point to like wow won a championship through a post player oh no that's that's completely fair it's completely fair the closest you could get is, is i mean well dave yeager's interesting because of what he did in in memphis agree um could he make 
personalities work, not necessarily even talking and being Simmons there, but like him and management, uh, that's a, a, a question mark considering his past. But there aren't too many. Uh, what? Greg Popovich? Look, when he was winning with a post player, like that was a completely different uh, league anyway. And and by the way, you don't have Tim Duncan anyway, as good as Joel Embiid is. It, it's, a, it's a very fair point. It's a, a, a very fair point. You know, like you said, though, like, does this roster fit his system or his goals? No, not at all. That doesn't concern me much at all, though. Like, if you're going to tell me, like, hey, you're going to have to juggle around Al Horford and maybe Tobias Harris is available, like, that was going to happen anyway. Or at least it should happen. It should be under consideration. No matter what coach you hire. Like, this roster just doesn't fit the modern NBA and fit each other's talents. D'Antoni just sort of exacerbates that. So I don't worry about that too much. The only fit issue you worry about is Embiid. That would be the only concern I would have with D'Antoni. I think if they hire him, and I can't speak for what would happen two or three years down the road for, right. for anybody, but I think if he were to be hired, the selling point would be, look, we have these weird pieces offensively. Brett Brown on his exit interview said, I, I couldn't make them work. So we're going to the guy who theoretically has more creativity than anybody over the past 20 years. And if he can't make them work, then we might have to make a decision. But this idea that, you know, maybe D'Antoni goes into the first meeting and tells Joe and Ben, hey, on offense, just listen to me, do what I say, I'll get you to a decent level. And then you guys, you're you're kind of the the tip of the spear on defense. And we'll have a very good team. Now, I do think what is interesting is that, you know, with this whole accountability idea, it's not like D'Antoni is known as a – Right. Dictator by any means. He's very much from the school from what you, you know is that like, you know, we're all professionals here. Let's uh let's all do our jobs. I, I don't think he would necessarily kiss Embiid and Simmons' butts, but I also don't know if he has the the past of like standing up to a star player. Right. You know, and he look, he made it work with Harden and I mean, did he make it work with Westbrook? I don't I don't really know. I don't know exactly what the behind the scenes dynamic is. That we've had some great reporting on our site from uh from Kelly Eco. I think D'Antoni's departure there had more to do with his uh his friction with Tillman Fertitta more than uh more than the players. But that's always a question, but that's a question with everybody too. So what uh what does our, our our friend Daniel Rue always say? Ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA. That uh that applies to the Rockets for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think in, in closing, I would say about D'Antoni, it would be plenty intriguing. I don't know if it'll work, but uh, as far as like the the names that are concerned, he's t- to me, I, I I think it would be the most fun to cover him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and probably the most fun to watch too. Now. Whether or not that would yield the playoff success, um, we'll see. And whether or not even this is an offensive fit that can be overcome, we'll see. But I do think he would be be interesting. Um, you know, you could always, and hear me out on this, Rich, you could always hire both Ty Lu and Mike D'Antoni, maybe have them swap in terms of like ATO plays, <laughs> uh, and, and maybe have maybe a, a, a business exec come down every now and then and weigh in on what he thinks they should do. And we could just sort of like, Make this work by committee. It, I mean, yeah. it, they've tried it elsewhere. Why not? You, Why not? You, you could do that. I mean, it's funny. You're, you're making that joke. I, I've always thought, I, I forget who came up with this, but the football coach, like Andy Reid coaches the first three quarters and then uh, 
And then he, <laughs> you know, kind of like a, a reliever, he, he hits the showers and somebody comes in, you know, you bring in Doug Peterson for the fourth quarter to a uh, high leverage coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I guess the more I think about it too, we've brought up Udoka a few times. I, I don't know what D'Antoni or Lou would be looking for in a staff, but I, I guess there's more of a chance that you'd be able to keep him because he was strongly rumored as the Bulls head coach and he did not get that job. So. All right, we will be back after this break break to hear a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Let's move on to the other arm of the organization that has not received any real news breaking. There was a report, again, I think it was Keith Pompey, that the Sixers were looking to um, extend Elton Brand's contract. And then our own Sham Sharania reported that uh, the Sixers are looking to hire pieces in the front office underneath Elton Brand and that he will continue to be the lead basketball decision maker, which is something that, or at least he will continue to lead the basketball operations side of the business, uh, which is something that we mentioned in our last podcast, which was a couple of weeks ago now, but that we did not expect uh, anyone to be hired over Elton. And it certainly seemed like that is so far the case. I really do not understand why. And look, I think a lot of people are like, well, remake the front office before you hire the coaching staff. And look, if your lead decision makers are Josh Harris, uh, some of the people around Josh Harris and Elton Brand, and if that's going to still be the case, uh, like I said, I don't think you necessarily need to wait. Uh, I think people are expecting a front office overhaul that is maybe grander in scheme than is actually going to happen. Yeah, if if Elton is the lead decision maker, we can quibble with whether that's and i think we already have whether that is deserved or, or maybe the right way to move going forward but if he is the lead decision maker i don't have as much problem with him picking the coach before filling in the pieces kind of underneath him i don't have as much of a quibble i mean it would be it would be preferable don't get me wrong but you know my 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 my, my quibble is much more with uh, whether or not they should be hiring somebody above elton but that's a quibble we've already talked about and uh, not one that we can, um, it's not our decision. So I guess just real broadly, what do you think is taking so freaking long to evaluate the front office and make any changes that they think need to be made? It's kind of like the, the meme with the, uh, with the stick, do something. That's what uh, <laughs> yeah. every Sixers fan is, is wanting to do at this point. I don't know. I mean, I, part of me thinks that they've already made those decisions, but maybe they're just kind of waiting to make them public. I, I guess one thing I would say is that, you know, Elton Brand is whenever you, you hear kind of around the league, like he's well-respected people, people like him. And I get that. Like I, I like him as, as a person, but uh, what is interesting to me is that like, if he has all these relationships around the league, the, uh, the lack of experience he he's going to need those relationships to overcome that because you know when who's the guy in Chicago who who got hired uh yeah Karna Karna Karnasovas right 
So he filled in his front office where he plucked one person from this organization and one person from that organization. And then he plucked uh, Mark Eversley from the Sixers as his uh, as GM, I believe. So I think you, you look at that and you look at what Elton has done. We've talked about this. Elton has been only in the Sixers organization for three years. He has not worked in a front office with a lot of different people. So that's kind of interesting to me, right? Because like I, I would I don't know Karnasovis's exact background, but he's he's been in a front office for a long time. So I, I think it's it might be easier for someone like him to just pluck people from different organizations. Now look, the Sixers could do a lot of different things. I mean they could just be willing to spend more money. Elton could have maybe made friends along the way. Like he was close to taking the Atlanta job a few years ago. And he also played in the freaking league for what, 15 years. So, you know, it's not like he doesn't know people from maybe other channels than working in the front office. So I think it could be a combination of both, you know, maybe they've already made up their minds on, on some of these people and just, they're not making them public yet. And maybe that'll, That'll happen a little more quietly than them hiring the head coach. But I also wonder how easy it will be for uh, for him to attract talent, especially if it's uh, it's underneath him in a uh, yeah in a situation that the Sixers have admitted was not like a real structure in uh, in the past. Yeah, I mean, look, people want to know what they're getting themselves into, and they want to know what's going to be best for their career and what they can best succeed in. And the Sixers as an organization have been, uh, have had a murky power structure here ever since, uh, really ever since Brian Colangelo left. And yeah, that would certainly, if I'm, if I'm a, an up and coming executive in the league, that would, that would factor in. And then you have, you know, direction from the ownership group. You have more than enough rumors of meddling from the business side. And it's like, is that sort of dysfunction going to prevent you from attracting the top talent? to really remake this uh, front office underneath Elton. It is, you know, not only have we not heard who might be, I mean, we've, we've certain, there's been reports uh, specifically that Alex Rucker is unlikely to return. You also haven't heard any real reports of who might be coming in and who the Sixers are targeting and who they might, um, you know, really pursue. It's been oddly and a little bit eerily quiet on, uh, on the front office front. We are now a month after the Sixers have, we're eliminated from the playoffs and it is, I certainly did not expect this to linger that long into the, I mean, look, we're, you know, less than two months, six or seven weeks away from the NBA draft. So we don't have, you know, you have some time, but we're starting to get to the point where it's like decisions have to be. And look, a lot of times when, when teams make these sort of changes, the scouting staff will stay in place yep. throughout the end. And their work uh, is long done on the draft. Yeah. And you, you expect that'll be the case here, but it would like, if you're bringing somebody in because you value their their perspective, like bring them in with as much time as you can. It is surprising that it has been unresolved for this long. It's a weird balancing act because on the one hand, you would like to bring somebody in right away. On the other hand, this is going to be a probably a longer offseason than we've ever had, right? Yeah. And, you know, obviously the offseason is the, the regular season for front office people. So that's not to say that – uh that nothing important isn't going to happen here. When, when is the draft is like November 18th? I think they moved it to so, sometime yep. in the middle of November. Yep. So you got a little bit of time. And right now expectation is January for the start of the season. Although that sounds more like a goal rather than a plan at this point. 
So yeah, we have we have some time. And there are still um still rumors that maybe Elton could there could be somebody brought in over him. You know, that was something in his initial press conference that he sort of left the door open for, right? Yep. That would be weird. Um you know, like I, I think just like letting him pick the coach and then bringing in somebody over him would be pretty unorthodox, I would say. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure, sure. But, yeah. you know, I guess you can't say, you know, that's what the Sixers, they almost invite at this point. You know, they they invite this murky behind the scenes dynamic that, you know, it's it's tough to sometimes assign blame and credit to and for the most part it's been blame over the past few years but uh i don't know it's it's uh it's certainly something that's not going to be uh forgotten by people like it's not you know i I know them going silent maybe they've kind of gone off the radar radar a little bit but i think with with the way this uh this organization has been over the the way they ended their season people aren't going to forget uh that that they still theoretically have their whole front office in place. Before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Indochino. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You're starting to hear a lot, a lot. The, 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 uh, buddy healed rumors are picking up. They never really died down. Um, you know, I saw somebody mention that, um, the Kings like Al Horford. They, they certainly liked him last summer. Uh, we know that. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on those rumors, but we are still a ways away from, Really, the transaction season right now. You're hoping to get the head coaching, head coach, and the coaching staff locked down, the front office situated, and start preparing for that draft. And even though we haven't done a podcast here in two weeks, we are no closer to to any of that happening. But we are closer to seeing Jimmy Butler play uh play in an NBA Finals, which is just going to be delightful. Like I said, I'm a I'm a big fan of anarchy, and uh, that would that would do it. Yeah. And, and I think if you're Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I would hope watching these playoffs are torture for them. <laughs> and and it's not to say that they are the most at fault for where the Sixers are. You know, I think the front office in particular, the, the players put around them are just not good enough right now. But like at some point you got to be like, really? Like Tyler Hero and Jimmy are going to make the finals right now? <laughs> And, uh, yeah. I, I would hope, you know, it, you know, Embiid has his, uh, has his tweets every once in a while. I think Ben basically said, like, I don't deserve an offseason. Again, like, we've, we've kind of heard, I, I don't want to read too much into social media anymore, but you would just hope, like, watching this is like, man, this should be us. And hopefully that's where, uh, that's kind of where they decide to, uh, put their energy into the stuff that they really need to. Yeah. No, not, not, not monitoring social media is probably good. Like I see people all the time talking about like, Oh, buddy healed like this comment. Like, all right, that's fine. Um, buddy healed doesn't get to decide where he plays anyway. Uh, calm down. Social media activity can be a little bit overstated, but certainly, um, what do you, what, have- what do you think about CP three? By the way, I wrote, I wrote about that the other day with Eric Horn. I mean, look, not 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 about like are they going to do it, but just right. the the idea of trading for him. I mean, it was it was. Look, I think he's a a he's one of the most continually underrated players, which is amazing. Um, also, like at at his age, what do you come in like seventh in MVP voting, something in that range? He is he would make them 
so much. I mean, look, he might step on the roster and be the best player on. He, he would step on the roster and be the best player on the. Assuming he doesn't take a step back, he would be the best player on the roster, even at his his age. He's not a perfect fit. Like you'd like a little more range, a little more consistency. Like some of those mid rangers, you'd like to extend back. Yeah. Not not even so much for the three points, but just to create more space for Embiid or Simmons as a roller. But he is. He did is, pop a few and a few more in Houston though. Oh, for sure. But he would he would make them a lot better. The contract does concern me a little bit. How much you would have to give up in addition to whatever the base would be, Tobias or Al would concern me a little bit. But he would make them so much better. And you, like you said with D'Antoni, like if you're going to find one player on the court who at least has the skill set and reads the game at such a quick level, who could figure out whether or not you can make this pairing work, he would be he would be towards the top of that list. Look, he's fantastic. He's a he was an MVP caliber player for a long time who's hasn't yet really shown signs of aging too badly. Um that contract that I think we all thought was going to be just a complete albatross, he is now into it a little bit and has not fallen off. Like it's it's part of like the Horford where you just wait. Like at some point, he's gotta take a step back. It's just it's human nature. Like you can't play until you're 40 at that level. Uh and it's impossible not to be concerned. But I'd I'd look, I'd love to watch him. Uh, I think he would help get the most out of this team in terms of, you know, sort of like his his personality. It would be really interesting to watch fit with Embiid and Simmons. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but on the court, I would like it quite a bit. And maybe Embiid and Simmons need that kind of personality. I don't know. I don't know. And Hollinger made the point while also suggesting a a Ben Simmons for Paul trade, which uh, let's just say my Twitter mentions did not like that. <laughs> All that much, but he did. And make- again, like in terms of a player, and in, in terms of a fit, first of all, he's a better player, I think, right now than Ben Simmons, and a much better fit with Joel Embiid. It's just he's so much. What what is Chris Paul at this point? Thirty four, five, thirty four, thirty five. Okay. Yeah, one of those two. The uh, but he did make the point that if you trade for him, who is coaching the team doesn't quite matter as much because it's Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one. What did you think of the the trade? I think. Eric and I agreed to it. It was Horford, Matisse, Zaire, and one of the crappy first round picks. I forget if it it might have been Oklahoma City's pack pick back this year. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, I would yeah. hell yeah, I would do it. I mean it's it's like all those concerns I have with Paul in aging also apply to Horford. Now look, he's got a much bigger contract than Horford. Um but the fit First of all, you remove the bad fit in Horford. You add a good fit in Paul, and you had just a, a significantly like orders of magnitude better player in Chris Paul. Um, yeah, I, look, I think Chris Paul would be fun to watch just to see whether or not we've talked so much about Joel Embiid as a role man and how he's not good enough. Well, now you have a real legit like just borderline genius level pick and roll player to pair with him. You can see whether or not you can grow him into sort of that archetype, which is maybe a little bit easier to build around as a big man. You could really unlock. Ben Simmons as a role man. Um, you could have just more quick, high-level, elite decision makers. I look. I I love Chris Paul. My only real uh, two concerns are the aging and the personality. But like I said, I'm not even convinced the personality is a downside because maybe you need someone to give these two a kick in the ass. I don't know. Yep. At the end of games, I think he would be just dynamic. You know? Oh, you'd have so, you'd actually have something to go to. Oh, it would be a revelation. All right. We'll see. I mean, look, I, I think I think, I think think they're going to look to blow it up. So I think there will be – we will have that conversation again. We will have Buddy Hield conversations again. 
I don't think they're completely stuck in mud, but um, we'll see. I, I don't got much else. Anything else you want to hit on? No, I think I'm of, good. I think that's I feel like it's going to be a, the longest off season in history. So we'll plenty of time to talk about pretty much anything else we just talked about. Yeah, that's a conversation we can uh, we can kick the can down the road on, not unlike some of the other things we've talked about. Today. <laughs> Kicking the can down the road to Philadelphia 76ers. All right, have a good one, Rich. See you, man.